0: Welcome to Taiwan Talk on ICRT. I'm Ryan Drilsmer. This week, I speak to the director of the Taiwan Prisoner of War Camps Memorial Society, Michael Hurst, about his years of work dedicated to preserving the memory of POWs in Taiwan. <laughs> so, Michael Hurst, you are the director of the Taiwan Prisoner of War Camps Memorial Society, correct? That's right. And I noticed on your website you have an honor roll where it lists there were American, Dutch, Indian prisoners of war in Taiwan. For people who don't know, when and how did this happen?
1: Well, back in, uh, in, in, at the beginning of World War II in the Pacific, the same day that the uh, Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, they of course, they attacked uh, Malaya and Singapore and the Philippines. And, uh, and uh, over the next uh, ensuing months, all of the allies in, in the Asian Pacific region here were, were defeated, the British in Singapore, in February. The, um, the, also, the British colony in Hong Kong fell on Christmas Day, 1941. Mm. Um, then the Dutch East Indies went down in, uh, in March, and then finally, Batan and Corregidor surrendered in April and May. And so all these men, uh, probably more than 130,000, or at least, were taken prisoner in their various areas. And uh, for a little while, the Japanese uh, uh, sort of—they didn't expect that many men to surrender because, of course, their war code was to uh, not allow, not be allowed to be taken prisoner. They you mm. know, they had better to sacrifice their life. And of course, that wasn't the philosophy of the Western armies at all. And so they had all these men on their hands, and then they decided that later to start moving them out to to other places places in Asia to be used as slave labor for their uh, industries and war efforts, building railroads and airfields and whatnot. So one of these places was Taiwan. One of them was Taiwan, yes. But nobody's ever really explored all of the camps and where they were and, and you know, what happened in them and, mm-hmm. and, and what the men suffered. And so uh, 24 years ago, I found out about the camp in Kinkaseki in yeah,
0: and
1: decided that this was a story that just had to be told. So right. it's been my honor to do that. So you said there was around 130,000 prisoners? Taken in by the Japanese army initially. In in Singapore alone, there was about eighty five thousand, and then the Philippines. I think they had something like seventy five thousand. Okay. And and um, between the Filipino army and the American army, the American army had uh, somewhere around thirty thousand of, of you know in, in Britannia and Cagador, uh, Dutch East Indies had had a, a number. Uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure of the figure. Maybe it's between ten and twenty thousand. Okay. Um, and so, um, but in Taiwan, the largest majority were British. There was okay. almost 2,600 British here, and they came from Singapore and Malaya, and some who had been captured in Java. And then the next group of prisoners, the largest group, was the Americans. And there was 1,553 of them. Right. There were 156 Dutch and 55 Australians. Those were the four major groups. Uh, there were three Canadians, three from South Africa who were attached to the British Army, a couple of New Zealanders, and, and that sort of thing.
0: Okay, so what kind of treatment were these prisoners in Taiwan subject to?
1: Well, basically, especially in early in the early time in 1942, as the Japanese were obviously winning the war out here, um, the treatment was very brutal, and uh, the men uh, were were uh, ushered into the camps, and they were treated very badly. The Japanese guards and the Taiwanese guards were were told to treat the prisoners, um, you know, as harshly as they could, and you know, to, you know, just to keep them under the thumb and to to. Uh, deprive them of their of their western glory the japanese had this mm-hmm. real feeling that the 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 westerners were uh, lording it over them and, and and feeling superior and they wanted to to break that down mm-hmm. so that they they wouldn't feel so superior anymore so punishment in the camps and the, the forcing of work and 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 beatings was quite severe in the first few months later on it, it eased off a little bit um, as the men were put to work and doing various slave labor jobs in in a number of the camps here and food was always a problem so depending on the various camp commanders, uh, yeah. the uh, the prisoners were treated to various degrees of severity. Okay, um, food was usually withheld, and, it was, and often held withheld as punishment for not doing what the Japanese thought was enough work. Okay, uh, a lot of beatings ensued. Uh, medicines were uh, withheld from the doctors. The Red Cross supplies did come through, um, but in many cases they were just withheld just to just to be mean. Yeah. and and so the prisoners, of course, they were having to work. Um, you know, all day, 12 hours a day on average, sort of thing, in these slave camps, um, with just you know, like a, um, a sheaf and a rice gruel for breakfast, and, and many died from starvation or related, um, related, uh, diseases. Okay, over the years, how have you come across all
0: this information or all these stories?
1: Well, it started in, in, uh, in 1997 was when I really got going with it, and after we built the memorial at, at uh, Chingwasha, you know, decided that well, there's no point in building a memorial here if you're not going to find the guys who were prisoners mm. to tell them what's been done in their honor. So in in early 1998, I started sending uh, emails and letters and stuff and requests all over all over the world to uh, the American Legion, the British Legion, the Canadian Legion, to the RSLs in New Zealand and Australia, to POW groups that I knew existed in the states and the UK, and just simply saying, if you were a POW in Taiwan or if you know somebody who was, please get in touch with us. And uh, after a silence of 60-odd years, um, once these prisoners found out that there was a, as I, to quote them, a young uh, objective historian from Canada <laughs> who was trying to record their story, they were, uh, they were more than willing to open up. A lot of them have sent me diaries. Some of them were original, which is an amazing thing. They were okay. made up in little, these little Japanese or Taiwanese uh, school notebooks. Mm. Wonderful records, you know, and very, very detailed. Some of the men just talked about their weight from month to month or the Red Cross shipments they got. But others told the events day to day and and, and whatnot. uh, Are there
0: any stories you've read that you feel are particularly poignant or that stick out in your mind?
1: Oh, it it would be really hard to say because, I mean, there's just been... Hundreds, you know, over the over the last number of years. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the men described the same things, of course, the you know, lack of food and beatings and, and this type of thing, um, and losing their mates. I guess that was that was one of the biggest uh, things that, that they recorded, and and the fact that that you know these are guys that they'd grown up with in England or the states, and they come out as a bunch of buddies, and they yeah. they fought, and they and, and those who didn't die were taken prisoner, and then to see them dying. A horrible death in a prison camp, uh, yep. starvation or whatever it was. That was that was probably one of the, the uh, the hardest things they wrote about. Okay, um, can you tell us more about the book that you launched last weekend? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, 24 years in in the making, I guess, or four years in the writing almost. And it was just an accumulation of learning and interviewing the POWs. I've been to England. I've been to the States. I've been to all the Asian countries that the prisoners originated from Mm -hmm. and eventually went to Japan and Manchuria. Uh, And and I just knew right back in in 98 that someday I was going to help have to put this into a book because, yeah. it, you know, this, there's no point in just me knowing the story. It, it, I wanted the world to know the story. So, so that's what I've been gathering this information for. Um,
0: now that you have your book published, um, what do you hope people take from your organization's
1: work moving forward? I had an email yesterday from a, a person who received the book in the states, and they said that they were definitely going to pass this on down to generations. This this person's in their in their 80s, and the uh, POW's uh, uh, daughter, and uh, and uh, she you knows she's wearing. I'm passing this on to my kids, and it'll mm-hmm. go to the grandkids. And so, thank you, Michael, for what you've done. And my my next plan is to open a POW museum here, if we can, somewhere in either Taipei City or New Taipei City. I have. So much material for a museum, this just is huge amount of documents and photos and, and artifacts and things that I've collected uh, in the last 20 years. So many of the POWs, like they've given me their father's medals or, you know, uniforms and stuff. So, oh, okay. so I mean, this is really, you know, it's in, because I've been talking about this museum for 20 years yeah. and and I have this collection. There's just nothing else like it in the world. There's no other museum that, that would have what I would have, what we would have here in Taiwan if we can get this done. So uh, but if we can then I guess I'm going to have to return a lot of material to a lot of people, <laughs> to a lot of countries of it, uh, and I'm going to continue. One of the one of the things that that my work entails and has entailed for many many years since I started is the the children and the and the grandchildren, the families of the POWs, mm. uh, writing me letters and emails and whatever, um, asking for information about their dad or their granddad or their uncle. Okay. Because when the men came home from the war, they were told by the American and British armies and, and governments in particular not to talk about it. And the simple explanation for that is the prisoners have told me that they felt that because the British uh, had abandoned their army in Singapore and Malaya and and sacrificed uh, almost twenty thousand troops there and at the in the last two weeks before the surrender, and the Americans, of course, had had. Um, Abandoned their armies and promised them help from January and oh yeah help is coming fight on fight on But they never intended to send any help. It's all documented. It's all in the book Okay, uh, and roosevelt made all these promises and they never kept them They never intended to keep them So those men and thousands of americans and filipinos died because of that So the last thing the governments wanted when they went home was to have the prisoners saying oh, yeah that so-and-so government they did, you know And so they basically told them not to talk about it Well, then when the men went home they still had the need to get it off their chest mm-hmm. and to, to share it with their family their girlfriends, their parents, whatever. And and people uh, listening to their story couldn't believe that one human being could treat another human being as badly as the Japanese treated the prisoners of war and the civilian attorneys all across Asia. Right. And so as the prisoner would be telling the story, they'd be saying, oh, that, you you got to be kidding. That can't be true. Mm. Well, of course, that caused the men to shut down. And so for 60, 65 years, they basically shut down. Okay. And then once we got going, I have another colleague... Uh, uh, in Thailand, uh, who has a wonderful museum at the bridge on the river Kwai. And uh, he's done pretty much the same thing on the death railway that mm-hmm. I've tried to do in Taiwan, only he's had like 10 times the prison camps to find and, and that that I have. But he's done a wonderful job. He's a wonderful museum there. And uh, another lady in Borneo, Sabah, and uh, people in the UK and the States, they've formed organizations to, to keep the story going to make yep. sure the men aren't forgotten. And so... Uh, now, after so many of these men have passed on, uh, their families are saying, "You know, Dad never talked about it. You know, right. so can you? You know, we we saw from your website he's in this camp or that camp, mm-hmm. but but can you tell us what his life was like? How did he get to Taiwan? What? How did he get home? Well, now we're able to pretty well take the men's stories because a lot of them are the same. And now that we found, for example, the ships that brought them to Taiwan Mm -hmm. and the ships that took them to freedom in Manila and then those who took them home for the most part, another colleague and I in the UK have been spending a lot of time working on these repatriation ships and he's Mm -hmm. done a wonderful job. And um, can really tell, you know, somebody inquires about their dad or their granddad, I can pretty well take them from the surrender, right, to, to when they got home. And, wow. And in most cases, there's some, some we don't know, but for the most part, we, you know, we can certainly tell them what happened in the camp, what kind of work they had to do, their life and, and yep. whatever. And, and so And that's brought a lot of peace and closure to yep. literally hundreds of families over the last
0: 20 years. Well, obviously, there are a lot more details that, unfortunately, we don't have time to discuss, but I'm sure a lot of them are contained in your book. So could you tell us what the title of the
1: book is, and if people want to buy it, where can they do so? Okay, it's called Never Forgotten, same as the um, uh, name of our website, and it's called Never Forgotten, the story of the Japanese prisoner war camps in Taiwan during World War II. Um, right now we're distributing it here from Taiwan and, and so people can go on our website at www.powtaiwan.org uh, on the homepage. There's an, uh, a leading advertisement and then there's another, um, uh, item in the menu column called the book. And if you check, click on that and when you decide what you want to do, you hit the buy now button and. And it's taken care of so and then as soon as as soon as we get the order uh, comes through via paypal uh as soon as we get the order here usually the next day uh the book is shipped out okay
0: well thank you michael Hurst, for coming in today to talk to me it's been a very informative and interesting discussion and i wish you all the best with your plans for the future well thank you very much ryan it's been my honor and pleasure to be here thank you for tuning in to this week's
1: episode of taiwan talk i'll see you next time